I mean, we know the research that shows that cats are not coming into the veterinarian as often and that we used to think that was a lot about the carrier, but a lot of that is due to the stress that the caregiver perceives the cat is going through during the exam. And so if we can show that we're decreasing that, that we are actively thinking about ways to decrease that, that goes a long way because cat owners care about their cats. They want the best for their cats. And if we show that we do too, that helps build that bond between them and us. Welcome in to the Perfect Your Practice podcast. I'm Dr. Natalie Marks, and these are bite-sized and snackable pieces of information to help you elevate your feline medicine for your patients, clients, and your teams. We're very fortunate to have back one of our favorite experts, Dr. Margaret Gruen. She's an assistant professor of behavioral medicine at NC State University College of Veterinary Medicine. Dr. Gruen, welcome back. Thank you. I'm so pleased to be here. Well, we've got a... I think a pretty bold topic to discuss today, right? The S word. Yes. That term scruffing. And we're going to start because I think this is a um, practice, I guess I would say, that has been historically in veterinary medicine for a very long time. And I'd like to begin by understanding why did we scruff cats in the first place? Yeah, it seems that scruffing came from a a few different things. First, sort of a misinterpretation of a maternal behavior where queens will pick up the kittens by the scruff and move them around. So it seemed like that was a reasonable way to manipulate cats. But it also really allowed cats to be pretty immobilized and lets veterinarians do you know, the exam that they need to do or get the blood that they need to take. And so it was really seen as a way to kind of get through the exam without really thinking about what the consequences were of that for the cat and really thinking about how we build long-term relationships with cats. So while it allowed people to get the job done, it really was damaging to our relationship with cats in the clinic. And I heard a lot of important words in that in those statements. Misinterpretation of mm-hmm. maternal instinct, which I think is still considered a an urban myth that we're telling clients, right? That this is what the this cat's mom did, and so we're going to simulate it, even though it's not exactly why. Also damaging, right? And so we have to think about what those behaviors that we are doing with those cats are doing, not just in the exam, but for that long-term relationship. And also immobilization. Um, we, we don't necessarily have that goal, right, anymore. We want to work with those cats in the normal behaviors that they're exhibiting, correct? Exactly. I mean, we really want to give choice and control. That It's the two most important things we can do in handling or provide opportunities for choice and control. And when you think about scruffing, we take both of those things away, right? We don't give them either of those. And so we're really not building the type of relationships with cats that we want to because we need to really think about these are our our patients for life, right? We want to build a, a long-term relationship where the cats can come into the clinic and be comfortable enough that we're able to interact with them and see some of that normal behavior and really be able to be better at diagnosing earlier. Um, so it's really important that we consider the consequences of taking away that choice and control. Yeah, and I think we, when we think about choice and control, we also think about this mostly from a physical perspective, but I think you're also really referring to something that's maybe equally or not more important, the emotional impact that has on cats. Can you explain that a little bit more? 
Yeah, there's been some great research in the past few years on the effects of scruffing and even just more full body restraint. So taking away that choice and control. So not only do we see physiologic signs in cats of discomfort, so increased respiratory rates and lip licking and jumping off of the exam table as soon as they're released, but there's even research that shows that if cats are put into two different contexts, one where they receive more full body restraint and one where they receive more passive restraint, where people are really working with them at their comfort level, when given a choice of what area to spend time in, they will go to the one where they had the passive restraint. So they really have a conditioned emotional response to that. I, I'm really kind of thinking back in my very early days of practice many moons ago, <laughs> thinking about when I would use more full body restraint. And now that you mentioned these cats immediately jumping off the table, we often were like, oh, great, they know it's done. Um, like it was a positive response, but it was obviously a very, very poignant um, response to me that 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 sucked. That was awful, right? And and we need to change that. So I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that very important yet small detail that we can also use as a guide. I think in our exam rooms to see how our cat patients are really responding to us. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we want to look for those times where they're seeking interaction with us, right? Where they they approach us. And when they're jumping off the table, they're saying, I'm getting out of here. Yeah. So let's shift gears. I think you've given so much evidence, both as an expert and certainly the newer research, to show that scruffing is, is just, it's not appropriate anymore. I'm, I'm going to just say it. <laughs> we, we need to stop, stop the scruff. I think there are going to be some PYP community members who are thinking, okay, that sounds great. I'm with you in theory, but I've got a cat that's hissing at me in a cat carrier that I can't get out, or it's now jumped off the table and it's hiding under a cabinet. Um, I don't know any other option other than to scruff. So let's let's go through some guidance on some alternatives to scruffing that are not going to always, um, of course, come to mind first, but we, cause we need to make them a habit, but they're going to be safe for the cat and also safe for our teams. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it is, it's not really appropriate anymore. We know better now, so we can do better, right? So if we really say this is a no scruff zone, that forces us to think about other alternative ways that we can work with the cats. And we have a ton of tools, right? So if they come in for a wellness exam and they're not in a position to be evaluated at that time, they're too anxious, they're too aroused, it's in their long-term benefit and ours to have them come back with a pre-visit pharmaceutical and anxiolytic on board before they come in. So we've got that tool. We also can open the um, carrier so we can figure out how to open the carrier. We try to prep owners for the type of carriers that are really the easiest for us to work with, right? The ones where we don't have to unscrew a thousand tiny screws um, or reach way into them to handle the cat, but ones where we could open it up and then slip a towel over them. Because when they're staying in their carrier, they're telling you they're not comfortable in the open environment in the room. And so if we can put a towel over them, then we can use towel wraps. And we have people practicing towel wraps. You start with a, a stuffed cat, just a toy. So you get that muscle memory of how to do it and then work up to a cat who's 
calm and then really working up to a cat who may be more agitated. So you can really get kind of working through the process of how to use these towel wraps. But towel wraps are the most amazing way to really be able to do your exam. And we talk with our students about not being in the very front of the cat. So working, you know, in an area that's not as confrontational for them. So if we have our towel wrap around the cat, we can lift that up. We can work with them from the back. We can do all of the things that we need to do while still giving them the freedom of their limbs, right? Not immobilizing them and not taking away that control. Yeah, towels are a powerful thing, aren't they? they? Are. Because I think um, it, adding on to what you've mentioned, we can also do pheromone impregna impregnated towels to help with some of that diffusing. Um, we can warm towels in a towel warmer. Um, we can certainly make sure that we're choosing um, even sometimes fleece and some of the other softer ones, even to encourage that kind of more comfort texture. I think there's so much that we can do with a relatively cheap thing, right, that I would often have clients donate to our hospital, right? So it, it doesn't have to be where you're thinking, oh, I've got this huge financial investment now to do things the right way. Yeah, and even thinking about simple things that increase the comfort of the cat. So what is the surface like? We really encourage non-slick surfaces. So even just putting a yoga mat and then putting a towel on top of that, something that keeps them from slipping around. Having treats. People don't think about treats for cats as often as they do for dogs, but it's a really good sign that they're comfortable if they're willing to eat. And we have some very high-value treats that we can try and use with them and you know, increase in value as we need to. So there's all sorts of things that we can do to just minimize their stress in general and not push them to the point where they're behaving in a way that people would think that they would need to scruff. But I really think we want to establish that no scruff zone. I love that. And I, I think the other piece that we're not forgetting um, in here, and I, and I think it's so important that we talk about, is the cat client in the exam room and how we change that conversation from what they maybe used to think, because we don't know if they're scruffing their cat at home, right? The cat goes under the bed and they're reaching and scruffing and um, is, is understanding how do we present this to the client? Maybe this is the first time they've been in for a while and you wanna do things differently. How do we educate the client on what we're doing is a step above that reach in or God forbid the hold the carrier upside down and shake the cat out, right? Which I think is has happened, you know, a few times in veterinary medicine, yes, right? Has. <laughs> um, how do we get the client involved so they're on board with everything we're trying to do? Yeah, talking with them about it and really, especially if it's the first time they're seeing this different kind of handling, they may wonder why you've switched. So really thinking about talking with them about what we know about scruffing and what we know about how, how cats like to be handled. Um, and without judgment on them, just talking about why cats need to be handled in the way that we are trying to. I agree. And I think that the more involved our cat clients can be in the exam room of understanding why we're doing something and that it's all in the best interest of the patient and, of course, their family, the more inclined they are to have trust with us and to come back and to understand that this is not a, I'm done with my kitten boosters, these cats never come back, you know, until they're showing advanced signs of disease when they're 15, but that they need to come back in for that wellness check. And when they see their cats acting more comfortable, when they're relaxed, when they want to stay, they don't want to run into their carrier. I often will have clients who have been in a, um, a practice where maybe the experience has been more stressful, 
often saying to me, and I can hear many clients in my head, I've never been able to see a veterinarian open my cat's mouth. I, I've never had anyone listen to them. They've always just given a vaccine and put them back in the carrier. So I think clients are so um, responsive to seeing that change that they often are like, I'm never going to go anywhere else. Would you agree? A hundred percent. I a hundred percent agree. I mean, I really think that the clients notice the difference. They notice the change and they notice the change in their cat's behavior. I mean, we know the research that shows that cats are not coming into the veterinarian as often and that we used to think that was a lot about the carrier, but there's there's a lot of that is due to the stress that the caregiver perceives the cat is going through during the exam. And so if we can show that we're decreasing that, that we are actively thinking about ways to decrease that, that goes a long way because cat owners care about their cats. They want the best for their cats. And if we show that we do too, that helps build that bond between them and us. Yeah, I, I love everything you've mentioned, specifically the no scruff zone. And I hope that all of our listeners start to implement that in their hospitals and it can be this viral wave, right, that goes across vet med. Um, all great tips here on why the S word, that scruffing technique, um, is not appropriate anymore. And we have so many new strategies that are better for the cats, for our teams, for our clients, and just overall for vet med. Thank you again, Dr. Margaret Gruen, Associate Professor of Behavioral Med at NC State. Always a wealth of knowledge. We really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was great to be here. I'm Dr. Natalie Marks. Thanks again for listening to the Perfect Your Practice podcast sponsored by Zoetis and powered by AAFP. We'll see you next time.